Deezer Originals. Hello, I'm Joy Barton and welcome to The Edge, my brand new podcast series for Deezer Originals. Now most of you will know me from the football pitch and maybe occasionally from the headlines too, but I also consider myself many things, a pundit, a father, a bit of a thinker. Over the past few months I've found myself away from sport, banned from the game of love, And I've been using my time to explore something I've always been interested in, the mindset and the psychology of the game, to have the edge, as I would call it. Now, to me, the idea of the edge can mean a lot of things. Being on the edge of success, the edge of failure, the edge of change. But on the edge, I feel that's where you truly find out about yourself. It's where you truly grow and prosper as an individual. And on this show, I want to explore that to speak with the people I look up to in the worlds of performance, sport, music, politics and beyond, and to find out what living on the edge really means to them. In the first episode today, I thought it'd be fitting to start with a conversation with my old boss. Ed's typed this out here and I'm just laughing reading it. Today I'm joined by the best manager I ever played on this show and I'm like, fuck hell. Someone who had now class as a close oh, friend. I'm like, oh, fucking cheese and hell. That cheese is cheese, and but cheese and Forgive the swearing, but that was me cracking up at the intro Eddie, my manager, had wrote for the start of this chat initially. Obviously, this podcast and thing's new to us, so you have to forgive the occasional bits of cheese that were added into the script. But my guest this week is none other than Burnley FC's top man, the gaffer, the head honcho, whatever you want to call him. For me, he's one of the best football managers in the game at this moment in time. Recently, I returned to the training ground in Burnley for a long overdue catch-up and to learn more about the man himself. So here, on the edge, it's Sean Dyche. So yeah, sitting in the gaffer's office, Sean Dyche. Good day. Really, really good to be back in the building. It's been a long time since I've been in here. Different for you, I'm sure. Yeah. In a good way. only, in a different way. only usually come in here to be told off, but I've never been in here that much. That's true. Or, that or is had true. suggestions. Maybe I could have just suggested this to you. Could this be like suggestions? Yeah, suggestions. But is I wasn't in here that much. Offering, offerings. offerings. You the choices. It's the best way. This is the last place I was in. Oh remember, yeah, that's remember right. I got the banner yeah, sat up here talking to you. Yeah. This is the last place. Yeah, it was an interesting moment now for both of us because you know you being you were genuinely hurt by it. Um, I mean that sincerely. You know, you'd know what you'd done, but you're equally like, yeah, yeah. And I said, listen, it's you now. But I did say there'd be plenty of doors open. Even I said, look, it's going to be hard for you Mm. for me to say this now. But over this time, you'll be a period when you enjoy it. And I said, I know it sounds crazy now, but there'll be a period when you see your family and you go, hang on a minute, and there will be doors open for you. And here we sit, you doing a podcast. No, but you know, different. Mm. Now I know there's a bigger picture. You're considering this idea of going back and coming back and all that, but at this moment in time, doors have opened, and that's part of your life, I think, an interesting life that it is. Uh, yeah, and it, you, you're right, sat in here. I, I was still in shock. The banner just kind of landed. I'd gone from playing on the Saturday against Man United. Well, you dropped like, a thing and seen it. To <laughs> 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 so the band saying, Yeah, I know. Same with the embarrassment yeah. of going. Sorry, like, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I could well have done. I should have took, I should have took Marshall out. So I've had to relive that for the last seven months. That's I should it. have took him out. Yeah. You know, you can dwell on a mistake, but usually if you need to come out the side, you get an opportunity to put it right. That's and I've it. had seven That's months it. to think, I should have fucking took Marshall out. Um, we live and we learn. Exactly. So, yeah, great to be back. Obviously, seeing all the lads, it's brilliant you know the lads are flying you can see it just sense the energy in the building you've had a two-week period between games 
opportunity to to put another positive performance out there and keep the momentum going. And you know, it's it's one of the places that you, I walk in and it's like, wow, I just I don't know. Even when I came in the first time, when I'd signed, we'd met in your home. Yeah, that was a, the first time I'd ever met. I've met managers out elsewhere, and the first time I was like, okay. The, the level of questioning, the level we spoke at, the, yeah. to be honest, the level of honesty that... Yeah, yeah that, both that, of us, I thought. Well, yeah, but to hear a manager talk like that for me, I was like, okay, firstly, cared enough to sit in that and converse at that level, which very few at that time with me had done. Yeah. Secondly, you know, invited you into the home, which is a sanctuary for most footballers, most footballers, managers, coaches. Yeah. And then the conversation we had, and, it, and then to come... Here and be part of this was cook an omelette, cook an omelette, not the best omelette omelet, you've ever yeah. had, but yeah. cooked one. At least I actually cook, don't have staff and that that cook them. I actually you, you will now after, well, after no, of course, after years, the successful promotions, staff everywhere, yeah, staff. You're probably not even in the same house. That's the staff quarters now, isn't it? You've got uh, the house on the golf no, course. No, no, I'm still in the house. I'm still in <laughs> so the you house. just bought the golf course. Just got rid of the kids and that, and the missus, you know what I mean? Just shipped in a new family, so yeah, and just that level of. You know, coming in and seeing the changes that are going, seeing the building changing constantly and understanding the mechanisms of football. And just like you've never been away, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think think that's a good thing, though, from your point of view, that you came into an environment, bought into it. You know, very quick timeline of when we met, but it was an honest chat both ways. I meant it sincerely, you know, both given a few truths about as we saw it. Probably caught you at a good time, you know, and I, I tell that to a lot of people because I think you're old enough and wise enough to have been through the knocks and walls mm. and all, some on yourself, some been brought on by other situations. Probably ready for someone like me to say, look, this is how I see it, you know, and you, and you kind of got to that level, you de-bullshitted, you go, all right, yeah, I've, I've, I've been there, smelt it, seen it, done it, played my part in it, played my part against it, straightened a few out. So I thought you were on a good level to speak to in them terms, just really honest, this is where it's at, this is how I see it, this is what I can give you, this is what... You know, you can give us back. I remember one immortal line that we both had a chuckle at. I said, look, Joe, you think you're right about everything. There can't be two of us. I remember <laughs> saying that. I quite enjoyed that line, actually. I, I don't know where it came from, but I found that one from somewhere. What and then, was, What was the other one when, when they said there, they asked you the question, I remember in the promotion running, and they were asking you the question, say, I'll just get on. You said, well, we converse, and then I just, uh, Joe just accepts that, that I was right. So we well, just yeah, that, was, that right. was one of the cliffy lines, actually. I kind of nicked that. I said, well, I said, we have a chat about it, and then we decide that I was right. Yeah, yeah but no, you know, and, and I thought there was a healthy start to the to the relationship, because there is a relationship with every player. People forget that. If you want to, if you want to be successful and you want to win things, in my personal belief, as you well know now, affect the player or affect the person, actually, and you'll affect their performance. So it starts somewhere with some level of rapport. Now, some players, that's really easy, and you connect very quickly. They get you, you get them. Some it has to be worked upon. Some you can get off really fast by, like with me and you, I said, this is how it is, and I'm going to stand by it. I know you don't know it now, but you will come to understand. I will stand by everything I'm telling you. You told me things, and I'm now questioning, well, will you stand by it? Because most people said, don't bother with him. Mm. As a player, you understand, and, and and being around the group. But I said, no, he's telling me what I thought was truth, and it turned out to be exactly the truth from both of us. So there's a rapport to start off with. And if you can build that with players, either build it or it just happens quite quickly, as with me and you, I thought there was a healthy level to mm. start the relationship. Then when you form enough of them relationships, then bond all of them together with, with other people, it's it's a powerful thing that, you know, if you're talking about winning and being successful, what level of winning are you talking about? Are you talking about being measured 
by purely a league table. I think real winning is beyond a league table. It's the obvious measurement for all managers, and I'm not naive enough to think if I don't get the league table right, you're out, right? I get that. But if you want real success, in my opinion, and real winning, it goes into the people you're working with. It goes into the the fabric of the the group. It goes into the the belief in everyone and every inch of what you do. And then the development of you and them. And that is, in my opinion, that's real winning and real success. And there's other things that go alongside that. You, you know, if we're going to, if you morph that into family life, that's winning. If you're a good father, that to me is winning, you know, in life. That's a different thing. But when it comes into football, I think that's real winning in my view. Now, of course, there's a longer journey to get to that moment, but it starts with me and you, or in our case, between us, having a chat, an honest chat. This is what I see. This is what you see. This is what I can promise you. This is what I'm going to deliver. You need to buy into that. If you don't, we'll see you another time. Yeah. That was and maybe just it. pass. Yeah. Maybe it's a yeah. kind of sliding doors moment. You're not ready for this and we're not ready for it. Yeah, shake right hands, we move forward. And that's the thing to go on from, obviously, five years now of Burnley. Winning at Burnley when you are announced as Burnley manager. Winning then and winning now are two totally different things. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the expectation changes. But deep down internally, I mean, if, for instance, we stop and there's nothing tomorrow, how far Burnley as a football club was coming, I was driving in with the lads and I was explaining to them and you were winning before I turned up. You, yeah. That promotion year, we, we, I was at QPR, you were at Burnley, and that was the time I'd seen that team play and I thought they emphasised everything that I felt was important, whether it was working for each other, encouraging each other, just that the nonsense of football, you know, mm. where I was in an environment where that wasn't always the case. There was yeah. egos, there was all um, different manner of things. And this was a team that I was like, even though I'd played at bigger clubs and with better players, I was like, I envy that what they've got. And I knew that it started, I didn't know the levels until I came here, but I knew that it started at the top and kind of cascaded down because I always believed that the manager set the tone. So when I seen that, I was like, I'd love to be a part. If it ever came about, I'd love to be you, a part. You mentioned it. something that's important there, Joe, because you said, and you're right, but you said the external journey mm. and the internal journey, you mentioned one or the other. And, and the point is, you're right. So my, my winning now is different, but it's judged externally. My My internal winning is still developing, still building the team, still having the fabric of the team right, still it, understanding the truth and the honesty and the respect and the two-way, by the way, you know, and the, the work ethic of people. And that's still winning. And the hardest thing, a very quick timeline back to my my journey with what we're doing here, was when I got here, we were internally behind the measurement from outside, which is a league table in my view, Internally, we were actually winning. And I told that story. You can't tell the story until you have some success, but we were changing analysis, sports science, the culture, the environment, the feel of the place, the, the way the team operated. That was all changing. But so, because the results weren't perfect, people, they don't give a monkeys about all so, of that. So when you turn up and first job interview? Yep, first ever interview, ever in my life, which is interesting in first itself. First and only? First and only, good first point. Well, only. well, I did a second interview, but that was a different kind of, that was more of a, chat you know the, okay. the first interview was an actual stand-up present in front of three chief exec and the two chairman that was my first interview so ever in your life and and well I actually asked the chairman this and it was quite an interesting well two trains of thought I asked him when I when I got to know them obviously and we'd built some success here Roman didn't want I said what was your thoughts when you you know why why me I think they I think they interviewed 12 managers some quite well known some not so well known 
um, or up and coming managers at that time, if you like. And I said, well, what was that all about? And it was interesting because one said, well, he's obviously done that a load of times before because it was really slick, which I found interesting in a way that I thought, well, that's good in a way. Yeah. But he'd actually looked at that quite negatively. But I thought it was good in a way that it was quite fluid. And they well, thought, unless oh, well, all the others were that bad. <laughs> true. Well, no, I was first in, by the way. Okay. I was the first interview. They told me that. And then another one said, uh, no, I thought it was really good because he obviously knows his stuff. But there were two people in a room seeing the same thing. And there again, there's another <laughs> thing about information. Now, you know this, dealing with players, even talking about rapport, talking about honest feedback, talking about, you know, that kind of thinking. Is you send a player in, they come in and ask you a question, you mm. answer it. But two different people saw two different things. So immediately when I found out that, that's a different way of learning. So now I think, well, when I deliver this to you, you'll be thinking one thing, the listeners will be thinking something else. Well, I got exactly the same thing from witness statements. Whenever <laughs> I, I swear to you, this sounds yeah, like yeah. that, but when I'd been involved in trouble and there was 10 witnesses, you have to get the witness statements. Yeah. And every uh, version of events was different. And I'm like, well, they all can't be right. Yeah. It was weird how people had seen the same thing. So... Obviously, just to drag it down a level, I just I, I thought that when I walked in in this building, well, not this building, when I walked in the other building, you could just sense that people knew what they were doing. There's respect, there's a team ship, there's yeah, people, yeah, yeah. people maybe not doing what they want to do, they're doing what needs to be done for the group, for the yeah. unit. And that isn't an easy thing to create. No, it does take time, and it, and it, there's there's got to be a purpose as well. So you that's know, what I'm saying role. to you. That can't when you walk in, you don't get the job unless usually in football someone's not doing so well, or somebody moves on who's very good. And if you're lucky, somebody moves on who's very good, and you end up getting a really good job, which is rare. It's usually, you go into no, but no, but going back to the interview, there is there is a bit of yeah, looks a strange word. Well, it's more timing and maybe in a being appropriate for for that role. So at the time, what I learned afterwards, they were looking for. Because Eddie Howard been here, who's done a fantastic job, you know, down at Bournemouth, and was doing a pretty steady job here. It wasn't going to plan, but it pretty steady. I think they wanted another version of that. They wanted a more young, sort of hungry, up and coming type, mm. rather than going for someone who'd been there, seen it, and done it. And I think there was a mixed view. I think because there was a, a the directors told me afterwards they had looked at the sort of tried and tested, and so there was a bit of a mixed view. And then they pushed it out and went, no, no, I think we should go with with him. You know, because I'd only had one year, don't forget, as a manager. Did you think that. you were going to get it when you'd applied for it? I thought, the worst that can happen, I'm going to go through my first ever interview. So the worst that can happen is I'm going to learn yeah. from that experience. And that sounds a bit wanky, but yeah. I'm serious. I thought I'm going to learn from this because I've never, ever done an interview. So I put together a PowerPoint presentation, which then became quite a thing after, as they said, oh, he did this presentation. I thought that was something standard because obviously when you've never done an interview so where, where did that come from though where did you get that from, just felt it was a professional thing to do yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I wasn't trying to show I was a techie because I'm not but I could handle a PowerPoint obviously I was trying to say look I've thought this through I I, I, I was really honest by the way because you know I'm jumping around here but I actually reflected back on it so it's still on my laptop and I found it and I actually reflected back on it and I showed the board and I said by the way that was my interview, and we ain't done bad with a lot of the things that I said that I think we could put in place. Now, I don't mean, by the way, I make this clear, no one's, I'm certainly not a guru. I don't mean the promotions and all that. What I mean is the structure of the club, the, the you know. So was, the, it, was the two promotions, <laughs> yeah, new training some ground. Pitches, new training ground. <laughs> that on yeah, all, it? Exactly, yeah. Multiple internationals. You got it, it, you got it. Yeah, keep going, keep going. I'm loving that. I'm feeling that love. No, but, you know, there wasn't any of that, but it was more about the structure of the club, how we could change things. I was looking at analysis, sports science, you know, even scouting structures and things like that, which we're still trying to improve now. But, 
you know, and, and the things that I thought were the, the bedrock of a football club and how it should be working. And I'm really pleased that when I look back on that now, a lot of that is still in place and it's been put in place and it's still respected by us, first of all, because we believe in it. And it's still the, the kind of bedrock, yeah. if you like, of a base, I call it, to work from. So I was really pleased with that. And you come away from your first interview. So the worst, going back to the interview, the worst that can happen, I've learned from the fact that it's my first interview, the best that can happen, you might have yourself a job. Then you get the shout of a second interview, which only came, they wanted the assistant to come as well. Um, so you think they've got a sniff now? You're thinking, yeah, because yeah. you think, well, usually down to the so, final three, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, exactly, minimum. exactly that. Yeah, and I think that was the case. There was a, the final three, and I think they got all the other assistants in with them. Uh, I didn't really ask too much about that. I, don't, I didn't really see the. You've the done well to negate the handicap of having Moni, would you? Then, you? Well, so it's a fair one. I've must been, have been carrying, so far I mean, in my the back. Lead. Does ache? My back does ache. <laughs> yeah, I've been carrying him a while. Um, no, and, and you know, there are people. Him and Tony, I'd work with at, at Watford. I like the way they worked. I put staff together, you know, yet again, jumping about, but I put them together because they're different to me. I didn't mm -hmm. want them all to be the same. There's no point in that. If you're going to process information, you need different opinions. They are different. Well, you know they're yeah, different yeah. to me. Projected that as well to the board. And the second interview now, Wony was physically there. They asked Wony a few questions. Um, and it was just kind of a, you're thinking, well, this is in the balance. And I'll give you a good example. And, and these, are, these are some of my rules of thumb of the way I conduct myself. When we were in there, I'll never forget this. They said... Um, We'd really like someone who would relocate working there. I said, no, I won't be doing that. <clears throat> Literally like that. And what only said afterwards, he said, that moment, I thought, you've lost the job. So anyway, if you imagine building on that, I said, and this is the reason why, because in this game, I've just been sacked for no reason at all. I've just been sacked. So that could happen to your club, where a business changes and you get the sack. So I can't put my family life at risk for that moment when just purely a business changes. They go, sorry, off you go. Oh, the wind changes now. Yeah, um, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's not start on that one. But so, I, and they were, to be fair, they were like, okay, okay. Because I wanted to give reason to my words. Mm. Now, Woney said afterwards, as I suggested, he said to me afterwards, I think, I think that'll lose us the job. And I said, Woney, one thing I know about life, if you lie on the way in, you're going to have to lie all the time. Mm. Not my style. I said, tell them the truth. If they accept the truth, we're off to a winner. And that was an important factor for me. I was thinking, if you just tell the truth, you've got no baggage. You just go along with life. And I go, well, I've told you my opinion. Sometimes that can be a harsh opinion. Sometimes it can be a good opinion. But at least I haven't got to remember all of it because I haven't got to think, oh, God, I've, I've told a bit you of a mistruth. You can't can you? Because you know you're on script because it's your script. You're exactly. So time. I've used that as a rule of thumb, going back to my parents, really. you know, And I've never thought I was bright enough to spin a yarn all the time. So I just tell it how it is. Yeah, and it, you waste a lot of energy trying to remember, as you say, what what you've said. I mean, yeah. I think that's what people forget sometimes. Like, certainly in this industry that we're in, you, you start playing as a young kid, you know, you, you realise you're good at football, you get a, an apprenticeship, which we've both done, doing yeah, the foot, yeah. playing football path, then you get your, your pro, you're going in your career, and it's very selfish. You're like, what do I need to do? How do I need to eat? How do I sleep? Then you have a family, then you have kids. And like, even with me now, I'm like, oh, when I stop playing football, I can go and do X. And then I'm like, oh, no, actually, the kids are in school. My yeah, missus is. Yeah. So I can understand from your point of view, you know, you, your missus kind of goes along when it's just you and your missus. You live a little bit kind of gypsy, nomadic lifestyle yeah. in terms yeah. of travelling around club to club. And then you get kids, your kids are in school, yourself with two kids. Yeah, yeah. And you can't disrupt their life. You've got a set of friends, it's school circle, you know, social structure around them. And as you say, well, you can you get disrupt a job. it with buy-in from them. Well, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna challenge. Did you ask life. them? Were they old enough to be asked? Even you got yeah, there? not not so well. Yeah, kind of. We, we motion. What we did is that that parent thing that you do when you're just having dinner and you know you throw these ideas around without saying that anything's going to happen. You just kind of go, you know, 
if in the future, kids, we're ever to move. But, you know, you forget how bright they are, and they're probably thinking, Dad, we know the script. Well, I've got that now because my little girl doesn't want us to have any more kids. Oh, right, my missus is pregnant. So we're trying to... Fantastic. You didn't tell me that. Thought I told you last time. No, you are meant to be so, a good friend and all that, but anyway. Well, I, would, uh, I, I thought everyone knew. I just think everyone knows <laughs> what I know. So she doesn't want, or she didn't want another baby. We keep saying, do you want another, should we get another baby? No. I mean, little boy's like, yeah, yeah, let's get one. Yeah. No, 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 no. So we're trying to get that buy-in. She's coming around bit by bit, but obviously with schools, it's... Well, you do have that, you do have that moment where you, you kind of... Like I say, you're softly addressing these maybes and what ifs and what happens and all that kind of stuff. But and you're judging their feedback and their angles. I'm a miss as well. She got like her own life, and you know, from me being a player, then a manager. And because even when I was down at Watford, although I was based at home, you know, the hours of a manager, yeah. you're, you're home, you're on the phone, and all that sort of stuff. So they start forming their own life, which is hard as well. You know, you're a manager now. I live away. I go home. You're there, but you're kind of not quite in tune with their life, and then that can cause trouble because they're like, you're in the way, <laughs> you know. So there's all of that, you know, but it has to start somewhere. And, and for me, it was going, right, let's suss this out. But deep down, I thought, their life comes first. I've had my time hmm. as a player. I've been supported with my wife through that. I've got kids now. Their life comes first. Hmm. And there's no way I would move them out of that unless it was buy-in from everyone. Obviously, you can't be the person, the, the player, without your missus, but then you can't be the manager and fulfil your potential as a manager, really, unless you get the buy-in from your missus to say, hey, I'm going oh, to bring the difficult. kids up. So do you discuss, would you discuss tactical stuff with your missus or would you, was she just going, no, 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 no interest in football? My missus just gives me that look. She my missus got no interest in football. Yeah, no, mine, do you know what mine used to, well, she sort of has. She's obviously, she's very, very aware of the importance of certain games and, you know, promotions. Mm. Like, of course, I mean, that's a given. But not the minutiae. She's got no interest in the minutiae. She doesn't want to, you know, you don't want me to get home and start telling her stories about this player and that player and that player. She'd be like, bore off. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm more interested in the kids and what they were doing and, and life. And I'm things. out with my mate. Yeah, of course, I'm out with my mates tonight. And you go, all right, yeah. And now and again, you need it because there are times when it is a lonely business and you can share so much with people, but they don't really get it. Um you know, I'll give you an example. You go in that room at the end, right? And everyone sort of says, oh, do the two managers speak to every, you know, each other? If they come in, it's different in the Premier League. A lot of, a lot of the managers don't, you know, particularly the foreign don't managers. Don't come in, don't yeah, come it in. doesn't seem to be the, the cultural thing, I don't think. Not in any malice or anything. That's just no, not the cultural thing. But what you find is when you do that moment, often the, the two managers gravitate towards each other. And do you know why, really? It's because they're the only two who know how it fucking feels. Yeah. yeah. Simple as that. It's a very, very lonely business when you're a manager, even on the good times. Because when you get the good times, you know you're thinking, I've got to keep this going. And weirdly, when you get the bad times, it's kind of an easier animal because you think, I've got to change this, end of story. Yeah. But the two managers are the ones that come together. So when you get home and, you you know, your missus don't really want to hear that. Yeah. My lad's a bit older now. He's 14. He loves his football. So he kind of listens. I don't mean, you know, serious stuff, but, you know, I chat with him and, and I involve him and I go, what do you think then, Max? You know, what, what system? He loves his what football, do doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Football, he, and he's very knowledgeable. Yeah. He's actually probably as knowledgeable as he is a player. You know, he, his knowledge is really good. He understands the game. I'll give him that. But you so, know that there's a lot, like you've obviously, like there's lots of coaches in, when I watch American sports who'll have, well, like Bill Belichick's yeah. all he had his son. His yeah. son was a second quarterback somewhere. Right. And he would always have a son and he'd say, take notes on this. Because that was the way he could get the father-son bond. Yeah, it was yeah. something they had in common. 
and he'd get to spend time with him. And, and the boy yeah, ends well, up being like, a, I think he's gone yeah. into coaching. Well, no, he's got a good knowledge of it. But he plays, it? doesn't he? He really understands the game. So now and again, I'll share little snippets with him. But none of that, mm. you know, any of these stories about, oh, my wife picked the team and all that. I'm thinking, yeah, all right. Played for, yeah. play for a few of them. Yeah, played for a few of them. All the best for that one. Well, Neil, Warner, Neil, Neil Warner came in mm. and said um, his wife had had a dream that a player was going to score a goal and that's why he changed the team from the Friday to the Saturday and lo and behold he scored the winner <laughs> <one> nil. And <laughs> genius <laughs> she had the dream that's the true story genius. That, yeah. well we're my lad so we'll have chats general chats but I must make it clear to anyone there's nothing about picking the team nothing about individual problems with players or any of that but you know, you kind of can't compartmentalise it. As you know, you've been in my house. There's nothing in my house would ever represent me being a footballer or a football manager. Just the golf course in your back garden, yeah? That, that's... Well, I don't own it, by the way. Um, Yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, could do it this summer, apparently. But, no, but, you know, there's that kind of... I want them to have their life. That's really, really important to me. Would you like them to play? It's a tough one because, you know, we've all had our knocks along the way and it can get brutal football. Tough industry, yeah. Yeah, I I knew, like you probably did, I knew as a kid that was it. This is me. That's it. Done. And there was no... We had no no other options, did we? No, true. Yeah, I'm not the brightest button in the box. My lad is, actually. Um, I did okay at school, but that was it. You know, my lad's bright and and my daughter's bright as well. It must be their mum. That is their mum, my (laughs) life. But, you know, I think I'm life bright. I think I get people and I, and I can use that to my advantage. Even as a player, I was, I was more team bound. I wasn't really me. I was always chatting with players and all that sort of stuff, yeah. you know. And then that goes into coaching, of course. So I had that sort of going. But when I was a kid, I was very, very as we all were, by the way, but I was very driven. This is me. That's it. End of story. You know, all them careers means when they go, oh, you know, what you're about? I'm going to be a footballer. And they sort of look at you like you're mad. Oh, I you got laughter. Like, she started laughing at me. <clears throat> yeah. I said, I'm going to be a football star laughing. She said, what, yeah, what else are you going to I said, I'm going to play football. Yeah. And she laughed at me. And But if, I remember times I was like, I'd love to meet her now. So I said, I fucking told you. But the, the, then she'd be in the queue of about a thousand wow. people. Wow. <laughs> We've all had that. We've all had that. But, but you, you know, there's, you there's that. That, yeah, but there's that drive inside you that says, and, you know, I've had my own sob stories. I broke my leg at 17 at night in forest. You think, how am I going to get through this? But you get back on it and you work even harder and you think, I've got to do it. I've just got to do it. And, you know, Went to Chesterfield, got to Wembley at 18 in the playoff final. Amazing, amazing, amazing. 18, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Within three months of the next season, Paul Hart's getting the sack. Yeah, Paul Hart's getting the sack. Exactly. Paul Hart's getting the sack who's manager at Chesterfield. It's all collapsing around you. You know, all them things, but you just keep going. Mm. And and I say to everyone, you know, the the sort of naysayers, oh, well, he's only playing in Division 2. I say to people, I say, trust me, to have a full career, even playing in Division 2 is very, very tough. I told you before, people keep like... People, people. Yeah, people. <laughs> people. And people out there. I know the people are, yeah, but they say, oh, he's just a bang average Premier League player. I'm like, I know, do you realise how hard it is to yeah, be a bang tag, average yeah, Premier League player? I would have took that tag any day of the week. Yeah, I'm like, like they see it as an insult to you. Like, yeah, like, and, yeah, and you're like, <laughs> thanks, like, yeah. I know, 12 really, seasons, yeah, cheers. Yeah, it's, oh, I like manager at Burnley. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> going, yeah. yeah, in the Premier League. Fantastic, yeah, thanks, yeah, 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 thanks. I yeah, I know what you mean, it's weird, isn't it? But there'll always be that in life. But yeah, I suppose... Like, just to go go back to that, so you grow up yep. living in Kettering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Supporting. The metropolis. 
Who's your team at the time? No, I, you I believe it or not, carefully, local. No, 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 you, not at all. I'm a local club. say you want the job and stuff. Uh, no, like no, no, no. No, I was supporting Kettering because right. my dad used to take me, physically take me to Good the answer game. that because they're never going to... I can't see in it. They're not going to be on the Premier never, League. Never say never. You'd have to go... You'd have to have They'd a have job with Barton type incident to end up manager of Kettering. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go down that yeah, road. Well, anyway... So you grow up sporting Kettering, obviously watching football, being a mad keen yeah, footballer, yeah. playing football in school. Yeah, of course. Yeah, in them days, you just in well, in them days, in my days, I think I don't know what part of the system you came in at, but I was the kid who played in school, played for your Sunday league, yeah. and went off um, trialing at clubs, yeah. but still playing for your Sunday league, still playing, you know, like seven games a week and all that madness, you know, and you kid. minimum. Yeah, yeah, Plus exactly. Plus the games in the street. You got it. Oh yeah, yeah. Not even including them and hours down the field with your mates <laughs> playing football. Which you learned a lot from, by the way, and let's not start that debate because that's a whole big debate. That's, we'll about do that football. about youth exactly, football yeah. next time. Yeah. So, so there is that, you know, and, and there is that kind of journey where you're just grafting it out daily, loving it, going off to clubs. And but I was supporter of Kettering. I was a small, small club, you know, and going. All these experiences were amazing for mm. me. I'm, I'm at Eyes Lodge, my little Sunday league club, and then. You know, you're going to Notts County, who at the time, believe it or not, they had a really good youth system as it was there, and they were in the top level of football, going off to Forest, going off to Leicester, down to Chelsea, Villa, you know, and all these clubs, and it's amazing experience. You forget that now. You know, you're 14, mm. and they're just lobbing you off to some club, and you meet this bloke, and he says, right, we'll take you to the digs, and then you go and play football every day and go back to the digs. But it's so life-forming that. You didn't know it at the time. You're meeting kids from all over the country, staff members, managers, coaches, amazing life experience you did you didn't know it then of course but now when i look back on it traveling around london by the way on a on a tube at 14 thinking it's completely normal and, and you look at my kids now he's 14 i'm telling you my missus go he ain't going down to london on a tube yeah, on his own you wouldn't would you no and i was just bowling around i remember getting on buses at like eight nine ten going into town going to the everton match trying to bunk in because we couldn't get tickets nine, nine and ten yeah, amazing. No, you just your mum would let you out in the morning, and then you'd come back in when it went dark, and she was like, "Where have you been?" So I've been out. Well, I think we were both lucky enough that era. I mean, times have changed. That's the the that's another debate. Yeah. So obviously, to make it and play, did you have five, six hundred? No, about five hundred, around five hundred league games. Yeah. And and we were laughing before when I said, to you, "I remember being a kid in school, and obviously." You're good at football, you're playing, going on trial, playing at clubs, really good in your team, really good amongst your peers in your, in your street and so on and so forth. And the, I remember being 14 and going, wow. I remember seeing uh, Jed Brannan, who was... Remember Jed, Jed Brannan? Brannan, I do, he yeah. He played for Tranmere. Played against him, yeah, played against he'd, him. He'd done our sports presentation for St Anne's and I was yep. like, wow, he's played in the league. I'd love to play. And if I get one league appearance, everybody says, oh, he's, elite. he's played in the league. And, and then to go on and have, you know, obviously... 500 and yeah, yeah. whatever it is just to have one for me was being a league player massive yeah so what's the first club you signed for it was, was your first club Forest yeah yeah right. went off to Forest at 16 even that's an event you know so you're just playing in the school playing for your local team yeah but trial. on trial and stuff and then yeah. you know I was a, believe it or not I tell people this I tell the lads here this by the way I was a tricky central midfield player right a ball playing central midfield player I didn't player. see that guy. well I, don't I see know that, like. The good news about this story is I've got witnesses. So Tony Lachlan, <laughs> who's my first team coach, as you well know, he was at Forest when I was a kid. Yeah. He came a year later. So I was an apprentice at 16. He came when I was 18, so I was a young pro. So at least he can vouch for the fact that I could actually play more than so people. So where's Wolney? Because Wolney was Forest as well. Is he the same, yeah, he same came, age as you? No, he came the year I left to go so to Chesterfield. he came from Runcorn, which is yeah. about five yeah. minutes from where I live. Oh, no, Wolney could play. I tell everyone, I say, no, he could really play. But he, I, he was I in the to... amateur structure. 
So he was playing for Runcorn Town, was it Runcorn Town? At the yeah, time? but he, no, but he was he was in the Everton youth setup as okay. a kid. Yeah, yeah, and then didn't quite make it. Went off and played uh, men's football. Yeah, yeah, uh, for Aswell and teams like that. Newtown, I think. Um, then ended up Runcorn. Yeah. Then Runcorn when it yeah Runcorn when it ended up you know quite a good concern at the time scoring yeah. lots of goals. Famous quick story when he was he'd agreed everything to go to Bournemouth. And then Forrest came in literally at lastminute.com and he went to Forrest, which Harry Redknapp still canes him about. Just <laughs> because he was manager, obviously, at Bournemouth, still canes his dad, canes him, still, still tells a story whenever he sees him. And he had a, but Forrest, now the rest is history, had 10 years there, had a great time there, you know, did, yeah, did brilliant there. Um, but no, when I was a kid, so I'm back at Forrest, 16, go away, tricky little sort of midfield player, um, literally grew like you wouldn't believe in a year. And then Tom Hanks and big. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then literally at Did the end you wish of year on one, the, uh... something like that. <laughs> at the end of year one, Archie Gamble literally said, you're you're a giant. So I'd, I'd grown that much. It was ridiculous. I about probably about five inches in a year. And I started playing centre-half. And then I was playing between the two, central midfield, centre-half. You can imagine at Forest then, centre-half's a ball playing centre-half. Yeah, you know? and if you're big, you go centre That's what Yeah, almost it, standard. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's strange how it worked then. And it was you can't play midfield unless you can play football. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. But Forrest was a bit more play from the back, as you yeah. know, before nowadays of play for the back. But if so you've been used that, to being a midfielder, you've got to have eyes everywhere, and then all of a sudden you're centred off, and you're like, wow. Well, I actually play. found it, yeah, I yeah. actually found it, I wouldn't say easy, look, no position's easy, but easier. E- of course you would. Yeah, because I was thinking, hang on a minute, I can play from here, you yeah. know. So so I actually started doing really, really well. I mean, recognise, you know, started getting recognised as doing really well by yeah. Archie and the sort of reserve system then. Is now, it, you is it remember the reserve that team manager? Archie Gamble at the time. Yeah. yeah. The first and team the, coach. And the, the, just to give people listening a reference point there, this is a, this is Forrest then. This is Forrest who are top three of the, what's now the Premier League. Top Under three. Brian winning, yeah, winning cups. This is reserve sides where you're playing like with, Gary Charles, you're playing with Steve Chow, Terry Wilson. You're Steve playing Stone, with, both. Oh, Stoney, you're playing with um, uh, Gary Parker, Brian Laws, Franz Carr. Nigel you know, Yeah, Nigel will be up front now and again, but he was in Jepson, the first team. remember him? Is he about Jemson, him? Nigel Jemson. Yeah, yeah, Jemson. yeah. I mean, this was a good Forest side. You've got Mark Crossley in goal, and you're playing in the reserve team then. Yeah, and I'm old enough to well. remember yeah, Forest well, being true, decent. true. Yeah, yeah, not, of not quite European Cup decent. No, no, no I don't remember that. I was too young for that. So this was an era when it was really going, but, you know, Forest was, and it's still a great club, but it was really, really on fire then. So it was difficult to break in then as a young player. And I was never that close. And then I broke my leg, come back from that. And then I went on loan. And once you've played first team football, which you know, you're desperate to go, you know, you know continue playing first team But, but I, I struggled initially as a young mm. player, 16, 14 to 18, struggled, was on the verge of getting released many, many times at City. But I always knew I want I'd play in the league. I always thought I'll, even if I'm yeah. not good enough to play in the first team here, I'll play in the league. Did you have that belief? Even if I can't play a Forest, yeah. I'm going to play in the league. Yeah, I think once the only real though moment of truth is when you go on. Well, for me anyway, sorry, in my career was when I went on loan to Chesterfield because that was the moment, the real test, didn't it? You know, you're going from. Even then, reserve team football, as we both know, mm. was a lot more serious then. And a lot, I mean, Forrest used to get three and a half thousand to the games. Cliff, Brian Clough, he made his parade, the Central League trophy, around on the last game of the season. As an actual side, he was that proud of the reserve team. Well, well, well I league. remember when, you, if you didn't play in the first team on a Saturday, whoever didn't play, the subs would play usually during the week oh, in the game. all day, all day. And take them very seriously, them games. And that was their way of getting back in the first team if they did well in that and the first team hadn't done so well. Yeah, and then, then you go from that. So you, you go from that world, then you're playing in, in first team football. Now that's the real test. Even then it was mm-hmm. a test. 
you play, you handle it, and now you're thinking, I'll have a piece of this. Because, you know, you don't want to really, or I didn't want to go back to Forest to be the A-team stroke reserve teams, not really thinking I'm going to get in. So you've had a taste. Yeah, exactly that, that, exactly that. And then I signed there and I just thought, right, I'm up and running. And as I said, it worked out brilliantly. First three months, we get to Wembley, played. Dion Dublin scored for Cambridge. We lost 1-0. We were going to go, you know, get promoted. But you're off and running then. And then you think this, you do think this is a walk in the park. I am play flying. at Wembley next season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And needless to <laughs> say, the next season didn't go quite to plan. Got back there though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, in time. Took a bit of time. So, you know, these are great life experiences. And you're, you're, you're that young player and you're fighting and you're earning your spurs. And, you know, and, and, and even then, when I look back now, the things with life I've found, you don't put everything together then. It's when you're older, mm. you reflect back, you start piecing all these things together. But all them experiences are all adding into sort of your football knowledge. Well, even, you it even then, yeah, I, I, you think about that, mm. like your childhood, even then, you just think, oh, every manager's like Brian Clough or every, yeah. you know, every team's got this many talented individuals because it's completely normal. That's all you know. Yeah. You've got no... And by the way, massive lack of coaching. No coach now, we know it. No environment as we know it. Just... Slowly but surely, you learn the forest way. End of story. What was the forest way? Well, just work hard, play out from the back, and play through the thirds, and win. Yeah, just find <laughs> a way. Yeah. Find a way. Whatever. Loads of days off. What? What was the week? Going and train. Bizarre when I look back. Uh, you know, compared to modern, play on a Saturday, off on a Sunday. Is this the first team? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but the, first, the often the club mirrored the first team. Okay. So all the age groups. You know. You know. Cluffy was unbelievable for that. Unbelievable. I mean, some of the anecdotes, I was only there three years, right? And I was never directly underneath working for him in the first team. But he ran the club. So you you knew all these little stories and little funny things that happen. Yeah. Well, not funny, by the way, all the time then, because he did rule like proper, you know, he's like a rod of iron, really. Dictator. Yeah, but in a way, he could be very funny as well, and he could be very inclusive, and he could... Be, I mean, he's the best ever, even to this day. If he told you you played well, you would struggle to get out the door, you'd feel that big. But if he told you you were crap, you'd go under the door with a top hat on, you know, one of them ones. And he had that amazing way of doing that. Yeah. But even then, structure week, you'd be off Sunday, off Monday, in Tuesday, off Wednesday, off Thursday, train Friday, play Saturday. Not every week, you understand, but often. Now, when I look back, he wanted hungry players. He wanted players who were wanting to come in and train. I mean, the training there was always really high level, high energy, high quality. You used to do doggies. You felt fit and sharp. Amazingly, it seems madness, but honestly, everyone was motivated to play because almost like you went in like hungry. You know, you went in every day going, right, right, I'm ready to train. But the idea now of analysis, sports science, strength and conditioning, I mean... None of that, none of that. And I mean, that was an era thing as well, by the way, not just Brian Clough, as you, well, you, yeah. you are slightly too young for that, but most clubs were doing that. Small-sided games, structural format, let's go and play type thinking. Yeah. Can't remember doing a set piece in any team at Forest, but it was like, that sounds really mad, but everyone knew how the team played. The, the youth team, the reserve team, the A team, the first team, everyone knew how they played. Mm. It's hard to explain. We talk about, me, Wony and Tony talk about it all the time, how you think back and you think, how did everyone just get it? Now, the culture kind of represents that eventually, whatever the culture is. Well, we, yeah, the, the culture before is kind of double European Cup winners. and Oh, all day. I'd seen a documentary about them taking them for a few pints the oh, morning of the European Cup final. I'm telling you now, Joe, like, I, I tell these stories and even though, well, I was involved in this, but I was at the one getting the ice creams, right? I swear on you, you come in on a Friday 
and you thought they've hardly done anything all week. And he'd go, uh, we'd walk down the training ground and after five minutes, for whatever reason, I don't know, just I'd never know. Um, so obviously he's passed, but right, lads, let's go back to the ground. We'll have an ice cream. And we used to go back to ground and we used to go in the freezer and get strawberry splits, nearly always strawberry splits, and give them out to the players. And they'd sit and have an ice cream. That's it, training done. Shower home. Yep. Win 3 0 the next day, everyone's happy. It was it was surreal, isn't it? Team talks, no structure, nothing. Hey, Captain, are you ready? Yeah. There's the ball, look after her. All the best. Team talk done. Win 3 0. Happy days. Everyone goes home. It was just. I can't even put my finger on it. He had that, he had that charisma, didn't he? That was what I was saying to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was watching that Shankly thing and you're like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Joe, I'm not doing, People this sounds weird, I'm not doing that down because no. when it needed it, he knew the buttons to push in players. But when it was working, Just he let almost let, on. yeah, almost let everyone, right, they're all, they all know what they're doing. They all know. You can yeah, sense it. doesn't complicate it. it. No, ex- key word, or two words, doesn't complicate it. Hmm. Three words, that is, by the way. Doesn't complicate <laughs> it. And I've tried to adapt modern sort of traits, as you know, because yeah. you've experienced it here, analysis, strength and conditioning, good practice, if you like, with some of that old-fashioned, keep it simple. You know, keep it, when they know their jobs and then trust them from that simplicity, like you've seen our game planning, very similar every time we play. But it's because I trust the players. This is the framework. You go and bring this to life. And that was going back to Cluffy. That's what I learned from him. Don't overcomplicate things. Trust the players to deliver. So on that, on, on influences, who, who would be your biggest influence personally and and then follow on from that professionally? Well, do you know, I, I hear this question, and it's not an easy answer for this reason. You can go into parenting. You can go into virtually every coach or manager. Do you know why? Teacher, yeah, yeah because good or bad, yeah. they rub off on yeah. you. Or not what not to do and what to do, if you like. Ones that I use more as sounding boards who have been an influence and still are, um, believe it or not, John Duncan, who was at Chesterfield, for the similar reason, he made a lot out of a little resource, I thought, so I admire that in him. And he's a lateral thinker. I'm quite straight line thinking. He he thinks of odd things. So when I run something by him, he'll tell me a different angle, which I like. You know, you're fortunate now because you've been in it a while. There's other managers I can speak to. Reference points in time, like say Simplicity, Brian Clough, you know, other Ray Harford, the late Ray Harford, I thought was a great coach when I was at Millwall. Ray Lewington, who I, I have massive respect for because he yet again was cutting the whole club at Watford, financially cutting every year and yet stabilising in the process, getting in characters, working with the team, trusting the team. You know, and I thought, bloody hell, that takes some doing, yeah. you know, because I was a bit older then and thinking it through a bit more. But there's so many, I could mention every one of them, because they all rub off in some way or another. And like I say, you piece it all together, you add it all in. I mean, you know, I'm fortunate now, I, I, I tell you, well, in my opinion, gets a bad rap sometimes, it's Arsene Wenger. He has been fantastic with us. I know Steve Bold a little bit, from the, our youth days, he was at Arsenal, I was at Watford. So maybe Baldy maybe says to him, look, Dyge is a good guy. Do you want to speak with him? I don't know. Mm. He has been fantastic. Good company, informative, simplistic in his views, always inquisitive on how we're doing, what we're doing with our groups and all stuff like that. He's been fantastic with me. So you learn things, snippets from them. Sir Alex is great with all managers, including myself. I've had, you know, fortunate to have lunch with him and, and chat with him and depth, you know, a bit more depth to it. Um, any manager you can get, I, I personally like Pochettino a lot. I, I, he's always got a moment for you and, and just share some ideas. And some do it more naturally than others. Yeah, similar, you know, similar ethos when you look at what Spurs are doing and what, what Burnley do. There's yeah, similar pillars. Yeah, 
yeah, there's, you know, there's non-negotiables that that yeah. you've got that that you're like, well, you can't be in our team if you haven't got that. Yeah, you know, yeah. What, what, and he makes that really clear. Pochettino's got them fit, got them Harry, got them playing both sides of the ball for each other. Yeah, and they've got some real talent, you know, as well. You well, of course, yeah. And, and, you know, so the point is you're picking up from your past, but you're always picking it up. You're picking up from, and there's business people I know. I speak to Alistair Campbell, as you know. I can't believe I'm going to actually fucking say this, but now I'm going to speak to him and he gives you, you know, one nugget every thousand. You know what I mean? That's a joke, but he'll like that. You should definitely tell him that. Say, Dice, said you told him one thing that counted ever since he's known you. But, but you know, he's, he's someone you can just share a different view with and a different... I'm quite intrigued by all of that. It's not just football. You know, you love football, but I, I, there's lots of different people in lots of different walks of life that I speak to. I'll give you an example, right? And I'm not just name dropping here. So I've got to know a little bit Serge Pizzorno from Kasabian. Trust me, when I speak to him, apart from gushing that I love their music, invariably it ends up with, how did you, how do you manage that? How did you look after the band? What did you think of that? How do you travel there? How did and I mean it sincerely, and he'll talk to me like that. He'll go, yeah, we did that, we did that. And he tells me, I can't tell you, I'm on it, but a few things that... No, not them things that you're thinking. <laughs> but, you know, organisational things and things that travelling things and things. And I'm quite intrigued by that because there's more, as we both know, there's more yeah. to the performance than what is actually building uh, up to the performance. That's small percentages, the performance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all looking for Writing it. songs and how, the, yeah, how do you put it together. Yeah, and, yeah, and there's a band, how do you bring them in? And the egos, by the way, managing egos in a rock band, that's not an easy one. No, so I'm going, how does that all fit in? As the know? Gallagher's are finding out. Well, yeah, you know him better than me. But, you know, there's all of that sort of stuff. So how many of these different nuggets can you pick off from as many people as you meet? And invariably, there's always something that you can nick from them. Yeah, it's something like that, that's the thing. And you, you mentioned Pochettino there, and we're talking about the pillars. And what is it? What are things that are non-negotiable? What are things that you think are absolutely fundamental in a, a, a player, a person for your organisation, obviously? Well... Right, I've, I've been quizzed on this before, but it always made me laugh because people look at me a bit mad. And I mean this sincerely. Respect, honesty, um, pride, work ethic, manners, by the way, treating people right. You've seen how we travel as a group. I think that's really, really important, how you conduct yourself amongst other people. In your private life, do what you want. But when you're on show with us, then conduct yourself in the right way. Mm-hmm. We do as staff to players, I hope, and I think they do back. That's before you worry about 4-4-2 and 4-3-3 because I think they're the, the fundamentals of a group. They're the things that hold a group together. Now, if you can maximise a group, I think they're important things because don't forget we're not remotely going out in the world and I'm not saying I'm or my team almost have a multi-talented you know, gurus of the game. We're saying that there's an earthiness, there's an honesty to what we do and we've got to maximise that. So if you get these good key core values, as, as they're called, you know, if you get them in place – then you build a culture, then you build an environment, then you build something like a glue that holds it all together. Pure talent alone, I personally don't believe, as a group, by the way, not you as an individual, as a group, won't get you where you need to go. So there's got to be more to it than that. So that's where it starts for me with a group. Teach them, guide them, whichever you choose, to believe in this is the glue that will hold us together. And that holds you together through the tough times. Because when the good times are there, we all know, they look after themselves. Yeah. It's the tough times that you've got to look after because they're the ones that can catch you out. And is there certain things where you're just like, I, I just can't stand Sorry, yeah, you, you're moking about her. Sorry, you're right. I, I digress a little bit. So weirdly non-negotiables, and you know this, I really, really don't like people wearing cans in interviews. We've I don't got like them on them. now. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a different kind of thing. We're not on TV. I'm really not keen on that. I'm not keen on trends when you're with the team wearing 
one leg rolled up and the other one down and one arm up and the other one down. I don't really get any of that anyway. I don't understand it and I don't know what it stands for. But, because then people, I've heard people, rightly so, they say, well, you're depersonalizers. That means you're not allowing them to be individuals. My answer is, no, you've got all your life away from this to be an individual. Fair enough. Yeah. I'd never stop them in their yeah. private life. And you Do know, you've, yeah, you've, yeah, yeah. And, it, yeah. And even yeah. when we're on club trips, when I say it's a night out, it's a night out. Yeah. I don't come up to people going, why have you got that on? I just go, lads, no, 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 it's a night out time. You do whatever you want, within reason, of course, but you can look yourself in the right way, but dress how you want, do what you want. Yeah. And I'll join in with that, as you know. When it's in work time, we're working. We stand for something as a group. Now, I'm not judging anyone else. That's just my way. And then the next question usually comes, not from you, but from interviewers and all that, from the press. Well, how would you do that with people who have got egos and they've got this and they've got that and they've got that. Well, we'll see. But it, I've managed to do it well, here. You've had enough egos well, here. Well, there's one or two. You've had um, one or two, one, sure. There's one. Um, <laughs> no, but, you know, forming a controlled system. Yeah. But yeah. you know the negotiables on top of that, Joe. I, there's too many to mention here. Let's yeah. face it. You know, I go, lads, would you like this? Would you like to travel there? How would you like this? Yeah. Where, what time should we do that? Do you want to fly there or should we get the bus? You know, yeah, should we get the train? You know, there's loads of negotiables. For me, I'm not socially this is, by the way, but I think in a football club, democracy doesn't really work. I, I, I'm not going to ask you to answer that. Democracy doesn't really work. You almost want a, a kind of benign dictatorship. Mm. You don't want a complete tyrannical di- no, dictatorship. No, 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 no. I think you want a benign one where this lad, these are the these are the guidelines. And I don't think you want a democracy where it's hey guy, what do you think, guys? Should we go? How should we play? Because you're like, fuck, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. So you need the, the, there's a a Goldilocks zone in between where you're like, okay, there's certain things we've got to do, and then there's other things that I think you do incredibly well here where it's, you know, the, the forum's open. You know, first manager really have worked for who's coming at half time. What do you think, lads? Yeah, because that's negotiable. That's like going, well, and how many times do you work out? Nearly every time. You te- you get Now, that doesn't mean you do it every time, but sometimes I go, lads, what do you think? And when you say this, that, and the other, I go, yeah, you're fucking right. So well, I never always it? answered that. I never always answered well, that. Well, we I, couldn't stop you. No, 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 I just always thought I'm more interested in what everyone else has got to say because I kind of have it in my head what I, what I think it is. And I want to hear... Well, didn't you tell me, am I right in thinking... Didn't you find it weird that when we go in at halftime, we go and have our meeting? Yeah. And you were like, where are they? Yeah. Is that right? Well, the first time I came in, I was like, where are they? That? I thought you were arguing with the referee in the tunnel. <laughs> and then someone was, I was like, where's the manager? He went, oh, they, they go, oh, that's what they do. I was like, okay. And also a unique thing for me apparently was at halftime, you let the lads get the fluids in, yeah. get the, do all the recovery protocols, kind of, even if it's sometimes sort things out between themselves, yeah. positive and negative. Yeah. Then you come in kind of overview it sometimes ask the lads and then it was right get the music on and the music would be on then we okay that was sometimes it was in- well that's well that's right my way of thinking is is you've got to have something to break the moment you know good or bad because it can be so intense as we both know you need something to break that and go right restart button <laughs> well if you play music before the game the restart button for me is play it at half time because now we're clear of mind we've given you the information you've given us the information we've shared it are we clear boom music goes on Right, we restart. Then I normally say something before we go out again, just to say, right, these are the reminders. And sometimes it breaks. You know, if I've come in with a, a sledgehammer, which is not very often, but if it needs it. Very, very rarely, actually. Yeah. I but thought then, there was going to be a lot more of that. Well, people often do with me. But no, then, I just then thought you on managers, on gen- managers in general yeah. kind of have that, don't they? If, you know, in a kind of negative performance, I always thought, okay, we're going to get a rollock in here. Sometimes you come in, you think, we fucking need, we need to kick up the arse here and, and be a calmness. And I was like, okay, that was... 
Whereas other managers, you go, this yeah, because is it, getting it, nailed Yeah, in. but that, I think that sometimes goes, I mean, we're, we're jumping around, but that sometimes goes to trust. Yeah. So if I trust the group, there's someone I don't need to nail people. I don't see the value in that. It needs information. Hmm. Likewise, as you well know, I don't do personal insult. I don't do it. I can't abide it. I didn't, when, when people wanted to call me that name that we're both thinking of now, I had that, the big scene name, because in my day, people used to call you that. You are a... Yeah. And I'll be sitting there going, no, I'm not. Whatever you think, I'm not that. And besides, I'm trying my arse off here. So how about you give me some information to help me get better, not just call me a name? Yeah, again, a life experience. So when I was manager, I thought, I'm never going to call a player a name. I've never called a player a name. I don't think it's any use. Therefore, I take that out of the equation. That, the good thing with that is another thing gone. So I can get rid of that, so I ain't going to use it. So that's gone. So now my mind can stay clear on the actual job in hand, for yeah, example. Data. Yeah, and then your emotion calms because you've got rid of the angry words straight away. It sounds weird, but you know what I'm getting at. And now I can go into data mode, as you're suggesting. Fact mode, right. This is how I'm seeing it. Sometimes what, how you've seen it, you tell me. If you think about it, you invariably tell me what's going on. Then I go, right, this is the way of correcting it. Put some music on, get ready to go again. So where did you start formulating this? Did you start formulating it when you're playing, going, I'd use that, I wouldn't use that? Or Well, the good, the good side of being sort of a journeyman is you experience a lot of these things at varying levels. You know, I played at all the different levels. The only level I didn't play was the Prem. I played at every different level and a lot at every different level. So not just like half a season. Loads of different managers, loads of different players, loads of different cultures. I had five different clubs and a, and a loan period. So I had loads of different examples. We'd been promoted four times from all different clubs. So I knew all different ways of how you get promoted, and you start mashing it all together and you're how you start think. formulating like a toolkit. Yeah, you would definitely. Do it. Great yeah. way of putting it. You know, toolkit is a great way of putting it. And how many tools can you put in your box? But then more importantly, how do you choose the right ones to do the job? That's I, need, the, I need that there. Yeah, that's that the there. real thing about management. I remember Roy Keane saying something about Sir Alex Ferguson, forgetting about, you know, any problem they had later on. He said he had the ability to choose the right words or the right moment to deliver what he needed to at the right time. And he said it was incredible how many times, you know, in Roy's world, he would get it right. Almost every time, say the right thing, the right moment, the right, whether it was a push, whether it was a pullback, whether it was anger, whether it was whether it was softness or whatever. I don't know. I don't know the detail within it. But Roy King said to me, it was incredible how many times he called it right. Not always tactical, you understand. Mm-hmm. Just a prompt or a jolt or, or maybe a, a well done. during the week. Or yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And sussing out players, working with them during the week, getting them ready for a game, and then at game time, before, middle, and after. And, and that's you know, a great. Just, that's the the first time I came to this football club was the first time anybody had psychologically profiled me. Yeah, I find that quite interesting because with your character, I thought someone along the way would have gone a bit deeper than going, "Oh, he's a nightmare," or "He's brilliant." Mm-hmm. I thought they would have gone some deeper and gone, "Well, hang on a minute, let's try and get to the crux of it." Either speak to you or get someone else to speak to you. Well, everyone's scared of it because like, oh, don't go there. It's like we don't. It's football. Let's not. Let's keep them apart. When I came here, and obviously you'd done that with all the players before. Yeah. Which people, even when I talk to people now, I said when I went there, this what, and they're like, what? they think it's like cutting edge. I'm like, well, me well, first, actually, I did mine first and showed the players. You know, it's a, so is, then when the lads get them done and they realise that actually the gaffer's not trying, it's not a test, it's no, trying right. to test us because <laughs> yeah, everything, yeah. everything's a test. Oh, he's going yeah, yeah, yeah. to use this he's against gonna us. Yeah. He's going to drop me. I'm gonna, they're gonna, he's going to find something out. Oh. So once the lads realise that, when I came in and, and, and I put it there and I got it back, I was like, that makes sense to me. I also thought, well, they now understand me better. So I, I obviously knew that it was to be utilised for us all to be better and to mm. be 
better at communicating and getting more out of each other. And I was like, well, that that stuff's not normality. That you know, well, you, you want to pick that up from any managers. No, no, no. no we spoke about that. So I got Simon in, as you know, soft psychologists. I call it. He spoke to me about profile, and I said all day. I said me first because I want to know myself first, what I think of myself. And it was bang on, as yours was, and you admitted that. And yeah. most are, by the way. And they said, right, get players to buy into it, but it's not from me. The, the biggest thing of all, and, and you know this, is trust. And I, I made it 100% clear to the players. Do not fear this because anything you need, Simon, for your own personal needs is private between you two. And I insist on it. I still tell him now. I remind him of it now. So I never want to hear anything that is personal unless – they agree that I can know about it. Right. What we actually use the profiling for, as you well know now, is your learning styles or your well, you like information. So the, the five main ones are visual, audio, kinesthetic, written, and discussion. So most people are visual, not all, but a lot of people are visual, particularly footballers. Not many footballers want to write things down, as we know. Kinesthetic is given because they're out there doing it. Um, audio, there's a lot of that goes on. Discussion. So discussion is getting tougher. This generation don't really want to discuss things. So as you know, break them into little groups. I always joke, but if you had a text in, there'd be a million. But you have a chat in front of everyone, no one really wants to go there. Our group's okay at best, but as you know, they're not. it's not their style to all go, well, Gaffer, I think this and I think that. They've got better at it over yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so to fast-track that, give yourself an insight. So what better way than your learning style might be direct, so I can tell you directly. Someone else's learning style might be indirect, so I might use, well, I need to go and speak to them, send a message, you know, because they don't really want to speak to me. They find mm. it a bit too much, you know. You know, how we, how's the information? Yeah, visual, right? Okay, let's show them some visuals. Um, horse whispering. I use that a lot. Go up to someone on the training ground. As you know, just got a different class. And when you do that, whatever it may be, that's that's fantastic, mm. you know. Just tapping into their, yeah, and it's their knowing, ability it's to learn and what, to improve. What buttons to press on what play? Isn't that, isn't yeah, that management? You, well, yeah, knowing kind of it gives you an how insight. to get the best out of the people. Yeah, but the point is, you can spend a long time learning them traits of someone and the buttons to press. So why not get a little fast track? And then they're not always, as we know, they're not set in stone. But it gives you some guidelines to work You've on. You've got an idea. But the hardest one of all as a manager is when you're trying to get the information on a pitch because. It's hard when you've got a voice like mine to not shout in a manner that sounds hard and aggressive and negative just because of my tone. And I actually worked on my tone early, but it sounds weird if I change it. So people go, no, no, you can't change it because you sound mad. So I just talk how I talk, as you know. But there's certain players here, I won't name them, but there's certain players here who I know by me shouting at them, they don't actually like their information that way, but I've got to get the information onto them. So now if I can, wait for a break, get one of the other players over and go, right, tell him this. Hmm. So then it's a different, same message, but it's delivered in a different way. So even then we do try and use it. It's mm. just, and now and again, I, I speak to Simon and go, can you give me a quick reminder of this player? Because I've forgotten. Yeah. And that we call it a cheat sheet. So he's got about five traits of each player that he sends to me. So I've got five traits in each player, style, you know, uh, information, depth, visual, whatever it may be. And I can go, boom. And I can fire in very quickly and use them things. See, I've never got. I speak to Blackie, Steve Black, and we were talking about the NFL. And he done, he's, he's like, before they sign a player, they have two private investigators who work in the club who will literally go through family life, collegiate system, family background, blah blah, to profile a player. Well, I think that they're with some of the numbers involved now, I think, would, yeah, I think now that with some of the numbers involved, there's probably a bit of that. Not maybe private investigators, but a lot more depth to the background. And we do as much of that as we can. Innocently, you know, speak to old coaches, old 
sports scientists, you know, conditioning coaches, analysts, you know, get a try and get a bigger picture view. Yours wasn't so easy to process, you know, because no, because it wasn't that much good news, mm-hmm. Joe. And I've told you this, I can speak to you freely because you can take it. But but when I met you, I thought, right, see through all that and decide yourself. One of the mm-hmm. biggest things in life is decide yourself. We all know that, and yet we we choose not to do it. We choose to go with other people a lot. Rather than yeah. just going, no, what do you think? And when I met you, I thought, no, no, you'll do for me. End of story. Let's get it done. As we know, yeah, my character isn't a simple character to yeah, deal with yeah, because yeah. it needs different facets of information. And, you know, that kind of played itself out up in Glasgow, even after we'd had a mega productive year here. Yeah, and it yeah. was like, I sometimes think there's horses for courses. I'm like, mm. you can be really good in that. And yet in that environment, that, that isn't good. And maybe that's why... You see top players or good players go to big clubs and it just doesn't doesn't work. And it's not because got, they're not as good a player, it's just the, they don't, the balance isn't right. Well, an insight with you, Joe, is that, the, the, you know, the biggest thing that the press, I knew it had come, I, I told you this, to come people going, well, how are you going to manage him? And then how are you managing him? And how did you manage him? And I go, well, I didn't. I just spoke to him. I said, mm. you know, managing people is a different thing. It's People presuppose that you as a manager go, right, we're going to do this. And you don't always have to do it like that. Some you? some do, but wh- so why it worked it. for me, I always felt I could communicate if I needed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always felt, usually in in other environments, if somebody didn't agree with me, they just go no. Where I found that if I communicated with you and the coaching staff here, yeah, you'd go okay, we'll listen to you. We've taken that on board, but actually, this yeah, is what we're going to do. Listen. And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, they've listened, and this is the. Probably the I think the best trait of of the coaching staff and yourself mm. as the, as the leader of the coaching staff was genuinely cared about the players. Oh, 100 percent. I don't think you can profess what I'm professing and then not back it up. Mm. So I don't think you can ask for honesty, respect, and pride, and you know dedication, and you know work ethic, and all these. Unless you're going to give it back and go mm. right, I'm I'm there for you. You know, I have certain certain rules. Family first is a big one for me. Anyone walks in my building, any kind of anything for families, and I trust them. People go. You know, a past, oh, yeah, but players can use that against you because they might duck out, they might do this, might do that. And I said, well, it's on them. It's not on my conscience. It's on mm. their conscience, not on mine. So it's common sense mixed with a bit of empathy, mixed with a bit of understanding. And do you know what? Sometimes it's a selfish thing, right? It sounds mad, but it keeps me on track as well. It keeps me not thinking, if we don't win this week, we're all going to die. Because sometimes football feels like that. Yeah. So it keeps me thinking, no, no, no. If I'm not helping people this week, then you'll die a slow death. Because that's your job, is to actually help them to improve. Is that what you see the, the job as? Not, not Oh, massively. massively. Not, not because like, like, so what the, formation are we going to play? What, what? Oh, no, don't get me wrong, that has to play its part. Of course, of course. Yeah. But the underbelly of it is, if you're only measured on a league table, you drive yourself potty, mm. in my view. There's got to be more than that, I think, personally. So, so when I see players come in and out here, either yourself in a different way, gain and learn or enjoy it or whatever, or Kino turning into a better player and moving on, or Taki waiting his time to be his next version of Kino, or Duffo, whatever it may be. Going on, yeah, to the coaching staff. going on to the coaching staff. Tom Eaton on a free transfer from Bristol City playing for England. That means as much to me as any win. Mm. Because they're the things I remember. You know a trophy is a trophy. It's a symbol of what you've done. I like to remember all them relationships, all them people, all them times, all them... 
you know, and by the way, not not just the because everyone will think, oh, it's the times when you won a trophy. Yeah, I don't of have course, any. I don't have any of them out. I've got the no, memories, which exactly. is, is tenfold. You singing on a bus in Marbella. There's there's the lads. There's there's running on the little seventy by fifty. Yeah. There's you know they're they're as important to me as any actual trophy. But everyone needs a trophy or something to show success. You know, you can't show this, and nor would you want to, because football would be boring. If all fans understood the depth of what we're talking about today, it'd be really boring, because they go to see a team, hopefully anyway, and try their nuts off and win a game. So what's your favourite career, personal win, as a player, as a whatever? Yeah, well, definitely, as a, I had some great ones as um, a player, you know, at my relative levels. Um, is, my, is the story before you answer that? Is the story true about you'd never taken a penalty until? Yeah, is that yeah. right? That yeah, I, yeah. But that told me that the other day, and I was like, yeah, that was yeah, that was more of a, a surreal moment. It's not a lot of drama in it. Just the the, the penalty taker had been missing them, and one was one was not involved. It's in the semi final. Yeah, yeah. One was not involved. The one on the pitch, uh, Tommy Coates, had been missing them. One was not involved. Tony Lormer. We got a penalty. No one had really. This is Chesterfield against Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough yeah. No FA Cup really, semi final. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 200 million around the world watching, but I don't like to mention it. Um, and then they uh, they were looking around. And I remember the immortal light. It's funny now. Still, still a lad I still see now and again. We have like little, little reunions. It meant a lot for a club like that, obviously. Like called Jamie Hewitt, who scored the equaliser, of course. So I walked up and the ball was kind of rolling in front of me. So I walked over and I looked at Jamie and he struck a good ball, Jamie. I said, Jamie, I said, do you, do you want to take it? He went, well, I'll take it, but I don't really fancy it. I said, well, that's a fucking lot of use, isn't it? So I just thought, someone's got to take it. I was captain. So I just stood up and took it. But but the funny thing about this, because I never took any praise from it, and this is the reason. So a few number of years later, I was at Watford. We're in the um, League Cup. We ended up getting to the semi-final. This is an early stage at Sheffield United. Penalties. So they're looking around. Ray Lewin goes, oh, you'll take one. I said, well, I thought. And he went, hey? He said, you're still in the FA Cup semi-final. I said, I, to this day, he always laughs about it. I went, I didn't want to take that one. <laughs> I was just like... Just took it because it needed to be taken. Exactly. Yeah. Someone's got to take it. I, I, the one thing I, I thought was manly enough to miss. That sounds ridiculous, but I thought, if this doesn't go, I can handle it. Well, yeah. And if I don't everybody, mean I if that, everybody's not looking yeah, to take it... I don't then. mean I thought that as I was walking up, by the way. As I was walking up, I thought, this is getting mullered. That's it. I'm just going to belt this. End of story. So I was clear in that. But I remember before... I don't know what this was, you know, but before the game, I knew there was no penalty taker, obviously. And I was thinking... If this ever comes, you've got to be brave enough to miss. It was only a fleeting thought. Not, I don't mean I was sitting there, you know, meditating over it. I thought, you've got to be brave enough to miss. And it was a golden rule of mine, you know, if you're going to take a penalty. Mm. Anyway, jumping from that, the, the biggest one as a manager, definitely 100% winning uh, at home against Wigan to get promoted. Because if you ever look at a performance over a season and when you really need it, big game, to get promoted to the Premier League, Wigan were coming off a winning run. So six, yeah, like six wins yeah. out of seven or something. And they came to um, Turf Moor, biggest game of the season. Well, we'd fell away, QPR. Right, yeah, that's we, right. We were, course, it was yeah. the three of us for that, yeah. for that, and yeah. Wigan came out the pack that's under it. Uh, uh, Rossley. Uh, yeah. We just kept going and going and going. So we played Wigan, the highlight of my career without a shadow of a doubt, because it was encapsulating a golden moment of a season's work all coming together at your most needed time. You know, mm. it was a massive game, all eyes on you, everything. And we slapped them. So on the flip side of that, what's your biggest failure? Well, positives and negatives all in one. Biggest failure individually was going to Bristol City and it's not happening for me. Biggest learning curve of my life, Bristol City, when it's not happening for me. So after the event years later, the best thing that ever happened to me was that two years. While it was happening, 
chaos. Like Rangers with me. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. I just got booed off. I wasn't fit. I hurt my back. I, you know, I didn't get treated properly. I went back in too early to play. Crowd slaughtered me. I'm trying to play through it. I'm going to have to use the it. Bill Parcells like, oh, phone here, Gaffer. That it's a fair one. No one gives a fuck. You're right. <laughs> just got to find a solution. It's, it's, it's a like fair Rangers. One. I, I try and explain start, it. I was going to start bubbling then. Well, I try and explain it, and I just think to myself. No one ourselves, fuck, no one yeah. gives a fuck. But then, but then I must say, and it's important because <laughs> I learned more in that two years about life, football, treating players, mm -hmm. as in, you know, respect, fans. I learned more in that two years than I've learned in the rest of my career. Still well, you, to this you day. Well, in a different way now, it's different. I find you, you learn a lot more in failure than you do usually in victory. Yeah, it's a sad thing about life because victory enough. takes care of itself, you see. Keeps you humble, though. I True enough. Keeps you True humble. enough. So this is the good stuff, so... Well, I think it's a good stuff anyway. Okay. <laughs> what is your idea of happiness? Uh, family time, Indian night with my mates. We have a few pints and have an Indian. Very important thing. I don't think they really know how important it is to me because it gives me a break. They never talk. They can't be asked with me talking about football. That's for sure. They want to talk about them. The same stories a thousand, probably ten thousand times. Uh, altered slightly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always altered slightly. A little yeah. bit of tax on them. Yeah. You know the one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they're really happy days, but being with family, family time, family holidays, you know, kids, misses. I'm, I'm very family man. You know that, yeah. so that's a massive thing. You got to, you got to, you've got to break them. Professionally, it's seeing the team play well and win, and seeing these individuals grow. But personally, then it's definitely family time and friends, friends time. And on the flip side of that, what's your idea of misery and what gets you down? I think I know the answer. Um, being away from my family, it's not misery, but it's testing. Yeah. You know, for periods and long periods sometimes, that's testing. I don't think I'm that really misery bound. I don't really like sympathy, so I'll stay away from that. I'm not really... You get challenged, you get compromised, of course, you know, in what we do as football managers and players and all that, but I wouldn't say miserable. I can't really honestly say I'm miserable. I get a bit fed up is more than miserable. Which person do you admire most and why do you admire them? Obviously, no point. That no, obviously, apart from yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's, that'd be, <laughs> that's an easy one. Um, there's so many good people out there, so many clever people. There's so many people doing amazing things that it's hard to go for one. Football-wise, you can't look beyond Sir Alex. You can't, or you'd struggle to look beyond him. You'd struggle, in my opinion, this may be a bit controversial, you'd struggle to look beyond people like Mourinho because he does it wherever he goes, you know, purely on a football mm -hmm. basis. But so many people doing amazing things out there in the world now that it, there's a lot to be admired, I think. So you miss one there, I would have said. Go on. If I was struggling, I'd have said me misses because the job still doesn't. Oh, that, are you... Uh, I thought that's where you were going with that. I was just giving you... Yeah, me, but then people a... just know non-authenticity. They just go, yeah, all right, turn it in. I, I thought that Especially was nailed you, on. I, spe on. I thought that I was nailed on. I met your missus. She's far too good for you, by the <laughs> way. That's for sure. Let's have that right. <laughs> that's... Both same you talking about being person, authentic. Both looking and as a person. <laughs> What is your favourite book and why is it your favourite? Yours without a shadow of a doubt because um, I'm in it. Um, I tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm going through The Boys in the Boat at the minute. Have you read that? It's, no. a, it's a big, thick, heavy book. Uh, or it, for me, it is. You know, I've limited. <laughs> I always look, 100 you know, pages. Yeah, I always do that thing. You know, you look at the size of the words and oh, I was okay. going, oh my goodness. Boys in the Boat? Yeah. Uh, well, who's, who's, who is it? Oh, I'll leave you because you like right, that. Yeah, um, so, I got so, advice to read it. No, I thought your book was good. I did enjoy it, joking apart. All right. Legacy was good that you got me. Good. I enjoyed book, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I enjoyed that. Uh, what is your favourite film and why? Shawshank Redemption. Touches all the bases you want out of a film. Cinematography, feel, life, hardship, struggle, 
get through it, move forward beyond an unimaginable hardships. And mainly because, and this is a true story, at the end, he goes to a place called Zihuataneo. Well, my dad worked in Mexico. We lived in Mexico. Zihuataneo? Yeah, that's where he ends up. You know, he ends up Oh, you've boat. told me this before, yeah. Yeah, well, my dad worked in Mexico as a kid. We moved as a family out to Mexico for three and a half months, and we used to go to Zihuataneo. And Woni, to this day, well, to that day when he saw that film, told his missus, I made it up. That is a true story. And he went, well, fuck me. Oh, he thought it was a wind-up until he seen the film. Yeah, and then he said to his missus, Kelly, who's American, actually, he went, well, fuck me, he said, it's a real place. He thought it was a figment of my What was he doing? Where out there? What was he doing? Who? My dad. dad yeah. He's management consultant for British Steel. Okay. So we went out to a British Steel plant, lived on a sort of a plantation there. Um, yeah, it was interesting times, snakes, iguanas, all of that sort of good stuff. Okay, you know that's I mean? interesting so, as a kid. Yeah, no, was, I remember uh, you telling getting me that. Shot, we got shot at. Well, that was good. Why bandits to go through the mountains to get the boat from Extapa? We got the boat from Extapa over to see what to know. And we got shot, shot out on the way. Yeah, stopped the car one day and there was a bullet. Oh, we thought we heard something because the, the bandits would come and get you, you know, because they, you know, think you got money. So that was interesting as a kid. Uh, yeah, anyway, very. Say, lovey. Yeah. I'm still here. Survived. Yeah. Luckily. <laughs> What was your favourite song or piece of music? Oh, my goodness. I really should have, I should have given you a little bit of warning um, on this. You know, well, off topic. the top of my head, just because it's relevant to the season when we got first promoted and because it's recent, Sabian's underdog, killed me. Serge absolutely killed me. True story. I, I was seeing him, having a chat with him. I said, by the way, i got to say I love that song. Told him the story. We got promoted. Beat Wigan. Going down the motorway. My lad's in the car. He loves it well. We got it full blast. Having a McDonald's coffee. Buzzing. Thinking this is amazing. He literally came and went, I wrote that in about 15 minutes. Really easy. Just come off the bat. I went, Serge, man, you meant to give me some big dramatic story of how it came around and all that. I said, you actually killed me. But best songs of all time, my goodness, not many, aren't there? Think, too many. Yeah, exactly. It's too many. Is it, is it, you open up a key, you've got magical you know, Elvis. Underdog, underdog. Oh, Elvis, you too. I'll go for that. I'll stick with that. Underdog, Kasabian, love it. What is your favourite meal? Are you a good cook? Which I could probably answer. And Eddie's put omelette in the kitchen prior to... Uh, no, Sarana. actually, true story, Before when I was a player, I used to cook every day. Really love cooking. You like cooking? Yeah, Some yeah, love like cooking. It. yeah, yeah. Some really enjoyed like it. it. Really enjoyed it. But now I don't really get as much time. But you I always love it. You got the servants. Oh, yeah, of course. Butler and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Favorite food? Definitely, as I've mentioned already, Indian night with the lads. Not crazy. Three, four pints. What, good what, banter. What's, what's the Indian you're going for? Um, I'll probably go for a mix. You mix hot kebab star. Oh yeah, yeah. Mix yeah. kebab star. Anything really hot. Um, like the hot stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A vindaloo hot. Yeah, 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 but not 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 maniac stuff when you literally can't eat it. But yeah. you know, as, as as hot as you normally get in an Indian restaurant, really love a few pints of Kingfisher and an Indian. Oh, mag magical! And a few mates having a bit of banter. Right. Simple things. Easy life. This is a bit more of a difficult one. You got a fancy dinner party, six people. Six include. So you got five guests. You and five guests of the six years. You can pick anybody, dead or alive. Oh goodness. Some of the obvious ones, but I suppose um, uh, I'm you know what I'm going to say. Off you someone, no, well, I'm going to say probably someone you'd think of, but Muhammad Ali, Elvis. <laughs> um, I tell you, I'm a big fan of you. Know this? Just because I'm intrigued by who he is, what he is, and everything. Is Morrissey? I'd like to sit with him. I'd be intrigued by that. Tay Tay, my kids will laugh because Tay Tay. Um, uh, Taylor Swift, man. 
Tay-Tay. <laughs> I have a joke with my kids. I go, oh, Tay-Tay. I'm in love with Tay-Tay. I don't even know that. I joke. wouldn't know that. kid joke. No, she wouldn't fear. It'd be bizarre. I might just throw you, you in just more. to, you could ruffle more. feathers. Well, you, you could ruffle have, like, feathers. You yeah. could just start I would have thought you'd put cloth in there or... No, but I'd sort of, no, no, do you know what's a fair one? Do you know why? Because you didn't really know him, him, you know, him mm. as manager, him. So it'd be interesting because he is, by the way, we never really had time to go through it because it'd be endless. He is hilarious. He is one of the funniest you'll ever hear. Well, I know you're Tom good Manor mates with that. like Dean Saunders and I've heard a few of his stories. And, 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 and some of the, <laughs> some of the odd madness. Dino does like to change it slightly, by the way, but some of the odd, yeah, a bit of tax, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Some of the stories are incredible. So you're right in a way. Yes, he'd be. He'd definitely get in the group. Yeah, but so I've seen him interviewed for was was on Parkinson or something. Like that. Oh, it's incredible. Just charismatic, he, isn't he? Just, one thing that we were, we were talking about this the other day. This is a moment in time more than him, but it's still hilarious. When you think that he, I was at this game. He went on a football pitch and clouted people round the heads and threw them off a football pitch, right? Imagine that now. Threw them off a football pitch right in front of my eyes and three days later I had him on Central News kissing him on the cheek and apologising when he just cuffed him around the head and literally physically threw him off They were kissing him. Oh, yeah, they were kissing him saying, saying sorry, 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 boss. I thought he's genius. How can how anyone make that happen? Nowadays, there'd be lawsuits and all sorts. Yeah. They were kissing him alive on TV and they were saying, he was saying, you won't do it again. <laughs> you just think it's, it's just genius. It's just genius. I, so that's a fair one. It's a good shout. Yeah. Good shout. But more so, on a personal level to hear him talk just about his life. Well, last it's a, it's but a not least. One, it's a tough off the It's part. always tough. I should have asked okay. you. I, I usually do give people a little bit yeah, of yeah, that when you that. need a little bit with that one. Yeah, so I didn't think I was going to get this exclusive access and obviously it's coming to an end now, but last but not least, um, what is your favourite quote? In this building that I made up is the minimum requirement. Oh, yeah, (laughs) hand by hand, uh, (laughs) by hand, right? Minimum requirement is maximum effort because I believe in it. Uh, Overall, I I do love the Gary Player one. The harder I work, the luckier I become or the luckier I became. I think that's a, a magical saying because it kind of encapsulates where it's really at. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for the time. Thanks again to Sean Dice there for joining me at The Edge. I mean, what a conversation. A fascinating insight into one of the most promising managers. I mean, he's already shown his qualities as a manager, but the fact that I'd played for him, the fact that I've got the relationship with him, I think he gave us a wonderful insight into what it takes you know to to be an elite level performer to be an elite level manager and it'll be interesting to watch this space to see how it develops for me I think he could be a potential England manager but a really candid he showed that there's a lot more to him than meets the eye and showed just why Burnley are having the success that they're having in his five years or so in charge now truly truly enjoyed that and I hope you did too don't forget let me know what you think by tweeting at DZUK and at Joey7Barton if you want to hear more from our conversation, you can find some extra exclusive bits over at Deezer.com or via the Deezer app. I'll be back next week where I'll be talking to the writer, journalist and spin doctor, or former spin doctor, Alistair Campbell, depending on which way you look at it. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. But until then, from me, Joey Barton, thanks for tuning in and goodbye. Deezer. Deezer. Originals. <laughs>